0: Hello. This is Story Decisis Radio, and my name is Mark Tottenham. The case we're going to discuss in this program is the case of Tigere, that's R brackets Tigere versus the Secretary of State for Business, Innovation and Skills, and the citation for that case is 2015 UK Supreme Court number 57. And the issue in this case was whether the residence criteria for student loans was a breach of the human rights of a Zambian national. Now, the applicant in this case was a girl from Zambia. She'd lived in England from 2001 when she was just six years old. Her father was in the UK on a student visa and her mother had accompanied him there from Zambia. However, in 2003, he returned to Zambia, but she and her mother remained in the UK after the expiration of their visas and without uh, regularising their immigration status. The applicant had a successful academic career, she was head girl of her secondary school and she obtained sufficient grades to attend university. She was accepted to read for a degree in international business management at Northumbria University commencing in the year 2013. She applied for a student loan but was then told that she was ineligible owing to her uncertain immigration status. In 2012, she and her mother had been granted what was described as discretionary leave to remain, but she was not entitled to what was called indefinite leave to remain until six years of discretionary leave had expired. Now, unfortunately, the criteria for applying for a student loan required that she have been lawfully resident in the UK for three years prior to the commencement of the relevant academic year. Now, evidence was given before the court That there were several hundred if not thousands of young people in a similar situation to the applicant, namely that they had lived in the UK throughout their childhood but because their immigration status was uncertain they were not entitled to receive funding to attend university. Now the applicant in this case applied to the High Court where it was accepted that her rights had been violated by the the settlement criterion but not by what was called the Law for Ordinary Residence criterion. In any event no relief was granted in the Court of Appeal, then, the appeal by the Secretary of State was allowed, therefore holding that she had, her rights had not been violated by the criterion. The matter then proceeded to the Supreme Court, where the key question was whether the residence or ordinary settlement criteria was in breach of the applicant's rights under the European Convention on Human Rights, in particular Article 2 of the first protocol to the Convention which protects the right to education. The majority decision in the case was delivered by Lady Hale and what she said, open quotation, was any short-term savings to the public purse by denying these students finance by way of loans not grants are just that as most of them will eventually qualify for loans and in the meantime the benefit their enhanced qualification will bring to the exchequer and the economy have been lost. Furthermore, the additional short-term cost of enabling these students to have loans pales into insignificance compared with the costs of removing the cap on home student numbers. Later in the judgment, she said, open in quotation, could therefore a bright-line rule have been chosen which more closely fitted the legitimate aims of the measure? I quite accept that the settlement rule is a good rule of thumb for identifying those who should be eligible for student loans. They are the people with the right to stay and work here for as long as they please. Open brackets. The risk that high flyers will move abroad applies to the settled and not settled alike. Close brackets. But there are also people such as the applicant who have lived here for many years and cannot in reality be removed from the country unless they commit a serious crime. Close quotation. Now, what is clear from that is that Lady Hale and the majority took the view that the applicant should be entitled to a student loan, notwithstanding the fact that her immigration status hadn't been regularised. There was however a dissenting judgement delivered by Lord Sumption and Lord Reid, and I'm going to quote give two quotations from that judgement. The first one, open quotation, there is no direct evidence of the thought processes of ministers and officials as they resolved upon the current criteria. This is hardly surprising in the case of a policy which has been in place in the case of the Residence Test since 1962 and in the case of the Settlement Test since 1997, nor is such evidence necessary. In the first place, a challenge to a public authority's decision under the Convention is not a judicial review of the decision-making process. As Lord Bingham put it in the case of RSB versus Governors of Denbigh High School, what matters in any case is the practical outcome, not the quality of the decision-making process that led to it. Close, Close quotation. Later on, they said, open quotation, this court has always emphasised that however intensive the judicial scrutiny of a public authority's decision, it is not open to the courts to take the decision-making function out of the hands in which Parliament has placed it and assume that function themselves. In a case where a range of rational and proportional policy options is open to the decision-maker, the decision which provides the best allocation of scarce resources is a question of social and economic evaluation. These are matters of political and administrative judgment, which the law leaves to those who are answerable to Parliament. They are not questions for a court of law. It is enough to justify the Secretary of State's choice in this case that discrimination on the basis of residence and settlement are not manifestly without foundation. End of quotation. So what the dissenting judges were saying in that case is that when it comes to economic decisions or social or policy decisions, these are matters for government uh, as they are accountable to Parliament. They're not matters where the courts should have oversight and make the decisions for them. However, as I said, that was a, diss- that was a dissenting judgment. Ultimately, the court granted a declaration that the requirement of a three-year lawful settlement criterion in the UK to the application for student loan was the breach of the Convention rights of the Zambian National because she lived in the UK from the age of six but had not had her immigration status regularised. That's the end of this programme. Thank you very much for listening. I'd be interested to hear any questions or comments and I look forward to talking to you in the next programme.